Good morning. Appreciate that song and uh, really the direction of the service so far. What a blessing it is. Um, the beginning of Advent, where we get to celebrate the birth of Christ and appreciate Michelle's testimony. Um, and as I listened to her words, I thought, how many times do we kind of put God in this position where we say, I'm really I really need to hear about the future. I need to, I need direction. I can't function like this. And God says, stay right where you are. Find joy in me right where you are. Yes, you can. And we say, no, we can. I need I need something new. I need something different. He says, you have everything you need right here. Worship me. Find joy in your lives. Countless times I have tried to finagle God into giving me what I was convinced I needed. And uh, he wasn't so convinced. But um, God is good in, in all seasons. And this morning we want to celebrate really the season of Thanksgiving. This is a, something that culturally that we do. And it is a blessing for us to be a part of that and to really have be a p- part of a society that celebrates Thanksgiving. Now, not everybody in our culture celebrates it the way we might, uh, offering our thanks to the one and only true God. But we have this great privilege to do that. And it is our tradition to have what we call a Thanksgiving service, where we give people in the congregation an opportunity to share what God has done in their lives. And we've had some this morning um, that contacted me and said, I'd like to share a testimony about God's um, goodness and gratitude on their behalf. Uh, Before they do that, I want to kind of as an introduction, just share a short message. I'm not going to do anything that the bulletin says. I provided that to Michelle and decided it wasn't a good fit. So I'm just going to read out of Psalm 138. And I'm going to start with this Psalm just because just going to hopefully no more than 10 minutes. Just want to unpack it a little bit because, yes, 10 minutes, Corky, I saw that look. Um, Because this is a really awesome psalm. It's almost like a a psalm that could be shared right here in our Thanksgiving share service, the way David speaks and shares his heart. So I want to read it and just point out three different things about this psalm as we prepare ourselves. It's only eight verses, so I'll go ahead and read the whole thing. But here's how he starts. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. And there's a lot of different things that could be said about this powerful psalm. But I just want to point out three things. And that is David offers, I guess for lack of better words, three kinds of thanks or three seasons of thanks. And what I mean by that is he's offering God thanks for the present. 
He's offering God thanks for the past. And then in the in the final verses, he offers God thanks for the future, which is an awesome thing to do. The first two verses are his present state of mind, his present attitude as he comes before the Lord with this song. It's something that he's doing in the moment. So in this moment, his heart is filled with gratitude and he comes before God with a whole heart. Found it interesting that Corky tied that into his opening prayer, this theme about coming before God with a whole heart. And as I read this psalm uh, yesterday, and and I heard these words from David, I realized, you know, at this moment, David was rightly related to God. He had to be rightly related to God because we can't come before God in, in an abandoned sense or giving him our all if he doesn't have our all, if he doesn't have our whole heart. And I realize, like in my life, it's hard to pretend and act like I'm really grateful or thankful or on fire from the Lord when he and I know there's there's things in my life or there's things in my heart that I haven't submitted to him. So for him to be able to say, I give thanks to you with a whole heart means at that moment he was rightly related to God. Maybe not doing everything perfect or living perfectly, but he had repented of whatever it was or he's striving to overcome the areas of his life that he knows are not honoring to Lord. What, what a pleasant state of mind to be when we can come before the Lord with a whole heart, when we're at that place where we can just give him our all, because that is how we can, we can notice the good things that he's doing in our lives because we're more mindful of him. We're more tender towards him and attentive to him. He is worthy of our all. So this kind of heart that is whole enables us to come before him and recount his faithfulness because David was seeing a good God at this time of the psalm. And God is good all the time. And then he also reaches into the past. And uh, verse three says, on the day I called, you answered me, my strength of soul, you increased and I think he's thinking about perhaps one specific time or all the times in this song of thanks where he called on God and and God answered him. And I think how many times in our Christian pilgrimage have we cried out to God and called on God? I mean, I don't know that a day, if not a day, a week goes by where I am not crying out or calling out to God in need of something, whether it's direction, whether it's guidance, whether it's deliverance, whether it's wisdom. And so David is just thankful for these times that he's called and God has been there and he has answered. And God doesn't always answer in the way that we'd like him to, but he always answers. He's our heavenly father and he shepherds us in that way. It might be uh, the answer of silence, which means keep on, keep on, keep on. It might be the answer of no. It might be the answer of yes. But when we ask him for answers, we want to give him the freedom for the answer that he desires to give. So I think David is just kind of recounting his life and the present and the past and thanking the Lord. You know, how many times can we look back in our lives and say, I was really lost. I didn't think that direction would ever come. I was at a bad place of my life. And yet I can look back in God and I can see, you know, the breadcrumbs. This trail that you you led me through to where I am today. 
And I think it's important too, at least to God, not only what we cry out for, but to whom we cry out. Because God invites us to speak to him. He wants that kind of relationship. Uh, he wants to, to hear the praise, but he also invites us to tell him uh, of the, um, the things in our hearts that aren't right or the times of discomfort. Because he is always a good God. Dave said, David said, my strength of soul, you increased. And that word for strength can also be interpreted boldness. You know, when we recount God's blessings and faithfulness to us, it can grow our hearts stronger. It, it makes us bolder in the Lord because we just become more and more firm in the faith. He's walked us through so many different things. That when we come up to another hurdle, we realize this isn't any different than the other hurdles that the Lord brought me through. So our hearts are stronger and they're more bold to live before him. When God answers countless time, that kind of shepherding and that kind of leadership just builds our faith. We need strong souls today. We need bold souls for the Lord in our day and time. And purposing to thank God instead of taking him for granted promotes this kind of bold soul. And then lastly, um, verses 4 and 5. He is actually giving thanks to God for the future. He's talking about the day that will come when the kings of the earth, not just this king, King David, but the day that will come when the kings of the earth will hear the word of God and they too will sing their praise. They will give their lives to the Lord and live their lives for his glory. Sometimes offering thanks or, or being the most grateful is being grateful for things that God is going to do in the future. We, we don't always have to know the details. For David to say this is, is a show of faith, because at this point in time, you know the history of Israel, uh, they didn't have a lot of friends in the promised land. There was a lot of other nations that did not appreciate them being there. David was a man of war. He was a man of bloodshed. He had to fight for all of the ground that the Lord promised them and maintain it. So he didn't see a whole lot of peace. And yet, based on what he knows about God and based on the promises that God's going to bless, uh, not just the nation, but the world through the seed of the deliverer. He is thanking God in advance for the day that will come when more and people, people from other nations, people that were currently then worshiping false gods will worship the one and only true God. And what an awesome thing. And as I think about it, where are we today? You know, believers aren't just in this city of Jerusalem or in that land. They're all over the world. It's a fulfillment of God's promise. People all over the world are getting saved. Now, there are still lost tribes. There are still people groups that have not heard the gospel. But if you look at David's day, as opposed to what God is doing today, it is remarkable. But what what does God have for the future? What is his plan for the church and what is his plan for for our lives? As far as the church goes, the church has tremendous promise. And we want to be careful that we don't ever let the culture dictate the joy in our hearts or our faith. Our faith always needs to be in the person of God and the worship, uh, the word of God, standing on the word of God alone, because 
what God promises will come to pass. We're the church of the living God. We are God's plan for the age. And you have to know that he has good things in store for us. Yes, love, riches, blessings in Christ and the love of discipline, the love of sanctification, the love of pruning. All of these things that make us who we are in Christ. And I just want to close with David's final words. In verse 8, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. So it's not just about the nations and what he's going to do in the world. But he's saying uh, God has a plan for my life, a purpose for my life. I'm here for a reason. And he's going to fulfill that for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. God doesn't forsake the work of his hands. And we are the work of his hands. If you are a child of God, he is your master craftsman. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. So we can thank God even though I don't know what 2017 holds. I'm not a a future reader. But just knowing the person of God, if we draw tight to him, it's got to be good. How can it not be good? Because that's all God wants for his people. He's, he's got a plan. He's, he's preparing literally this other world, this uh, world of eternity, this other life for us. Where we won't bump into uh, angry, grumpy, sinful, criminal minds. Well, it, it'll, He's just going to fill it with nothing but love and peace and prosperity and goodness. That's his plan for us. So I appreciate David's words of thanksgiving here. Present, past, and future. Now we have, um, so we can thank God for all of those things in our lives. We have four, I have four people, four volunteers that said they had a word on their hearts that they'd like to publicly give thanks to God for. So I told them that they could come in the order that they volunteered. And I think Grammy gets uh, the trophy for being the first. And then Grampy, and then Sam, and then Jeff. So I'll just let you come forward and speak nice and loud so we can all be edified with what the Lord is doing in your lives. I'm not known for not for speaking shortly. <laughs> I'm a little bit wordy. <laughs> and like Michelle, I guess my praise today is for the rhema word of God. Um, I, uh, God gave me a life verse many, many years ago. And uh, the first part I love. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection. The second part is the hard part. And the fellowship of his suffering and being conformed to his death. In order that I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. I resist so hard his correction. And I cry out for it every day. Lord, don't ever let me drift away. (laughs) And yet when it comes... I'm standing in my ground with my feet dug in, and I wonder why I'm miserable. And it takes him a while to get into me. I'm a seasoned woman of God. I've been in the Word a very long time, over 40 years. I shouldn't be here. (laughs) I shouldn't be digging in. 
but my attitude isn't a rebellious one. I would love to be like David. David was a soul, as Paul just preached, who gave his whole heart, didn't kill Saul. I'd have been the first to kill Saul. (laughs) He was ready always in an humble position, even in sin. And I desire that for my whole heart. But um, it is not who I am. And that's how God grows me up. I am still growing. And I praise him for that. The last year and a half, as you all know, one of my first words here back was, I'm here because Kirk wants to be back and I want to be in Florida. (laughs) And it was the truth. I gave because I know God called me to be his better half. When he's miserable, I'm to be miserable, too. And I was. (laughs) I was miserable because he wanted to come back. (laughs) I love my family, and I wanted to be with them, but I loved Florida. I loved being able to go to the beach, and I loved being able to be next to my brother. And God has taken this year to reconstruct me (laughs) again. And... um, So I have a praise that God never quits. You don't ever get mature enough to not mature. You don't ever know enough of the word of God to not be in it. And he is consistently showing me my heart. Now I'm on my knees and I'm going, please show me my heart. And when he does, I'm going, I don't like it. I don't like suffering. And there he is. I don't know. I've never watched the Minions. I've never seen a cartoon by the Minions. But I identify with the Minions. (laughs) I, I am the despicable me apart from Jesus Christ. And uh, I wrote down a couple of their quotes because I thought, oh my goodness, they are so me. Some of them are pretty raunchy, so I didn't get into those. But don't judge me. I was born to be awesome, not perfect. And that's what I want to say to people when they look at me. My brain is like the Bermuda Triangle. Information goes in, and then it's never found again. My kids used to say, uh, my kids used to call my yelling Uh, called me yelling when I raised my voice to them. But I called it motivational speaking for the selective hearing. (laughs) See, I just find euthanisms for all the sin. I'd like to apologize to everyone now, for I've not yet offended. Please be patient. I'll get to you. (laughs) I have an attitude within me that God is constantly breaking And that attitude is one I hate, and yet it dominates more than I want it to. So um, that's why the Word of God is so important to me. He constrains me by His love. I would say what I think, and you wouldn't want to hear it. (laughs) Um. Shaking now, I'm sorry. 
For the love of God, for God is at work within me, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Gave it to me when I was first saved, and it still is real today to me. He's reminded me every day this year, I promise you. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Not my first thought. My first thought is to take and cry out, What you doing to me, Lord? Get off my back. And he said, Rejoice in me always, and again, I say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but by everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Only real through Jesus to me, to you. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is good report, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. My prayer every day, I have to dwell on those things. The things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace shall be with you. For when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God raises up a standard. That standard is Jesus. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. For in him I live and I move and I have my being. And so I praise him for it because I am his offspring. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Please hear that for me today, from me. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I thank God in all my remembrance of all of you, because I am dependent on Jesus Christ, the Word, who is Jesus. And when you all sang the song, Jesus, lover of my soul, lover of my soul, I want to live for you. Michelle already uh, quoted a verse that I was going to start with, <clears throat> and it says, pray without ceasing and everything give. Why? For it's the will of God. As I look out here and I remember uh, how many years ago that we just about right here in this baptistry area, put a a spade in the soil and um, turned over the first dirt for this this church. It really started out to be a retreat center, and that's why the doors and the windows and the doors and the windows, because this was going to be a lodge. But God had a different plan, and I'm thankful to stand before you this morning and and be reminded that we're to give thanks in all things. I, there's many of you, I'm, I'm assuming, that will want to do the same. But um, when we moved here, or we moved back here in February, 
Many of the body of Christ showed up at the Montanias to help us to move. Now, many of you said, please don't move again. Uh, and we understand why. We've been like um, uh, nomads traveling back and forth. But I, am, I stand before you with uh, gratefulness in my heart uh, for many, many of you. I'm reminded that we taught for years the body of Christ and the giftings that you have. And they showed up in our lives this past year. Um, and I want to, I just want to share a few with you. Um, uh, Butch and Beth Dean came along and became part of our family. When we bought the house in, in Farmville, uh, it had no insulation. And um, Beth would say, after we tore a lot of the construction out, she'd say, this is a see-through house. Because you could stand in the kitchen and see all the way to the other end of the house through the studs. Uh, Quincy, and, I don't know, is Quincy here this morning? Quincy uh, uh, and Jessica Elder, uh, he not only tore out part of the bathroom, but he built a platform for my shed now. Tom Hunter, uh, Tom uh, scraped so many boards that he's, he probably got bored with scraping boards. Um, Paul and Lisa were immeasurable. Lisa organized a, a, a paint crew. Uh, Erica Thornton, is Erica here? Uh, she, uh, she helped do painting. And Lisa's friend, Kim, I think Kim Hassel, she did some painting. Granville, thank you for letting us use your truck. Uh, the Warren family, I think some of them are here this, this morning. Kevin and Dakota and Jared and Gabe and I think her name is Anise, Nisa. Nisi, Nisi, okay. Uh, It's amazing how much electrical work was done in this house. I think about 98% of the uh, the wiring was replaced by Dwight Ray. And Pat and Barbara Maitland helped Grammy organize their kitchen. Barbara Wine helped organize the bathroom. Wanda Reynolds, thank you, Wanda, for showing up and helping uh, Shoko and, and, their, and their family, they laid paper on the floor and filled holes in the, in the, um, the woodwork. Um, they put paper down, and uh, I guess it was Emily and Olivia and uh, Ashley. So um, Iris came over one day and just raked leaves in the front yard. And uh, I don't know if she's for hire. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, I cannot tell you how many people actually showed up. Paul did a tremendous job in uh, doing a lot of the reconstruction. But we have been blessed by the body of Christ. Unbelievably so. I think there's 25, 27. If I've overlooked anybody, I, I apologize. But I just was reminded of the tremendous gift to us. And, uh, and I want to just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise your holy name for your kindness to us. And here's what I'll leave you with in giving thanks to him. It's out of uh, Proverbs chapter 11. He who waters will himself be watered. 
He who waters, you cannot outgive God. We have been blessed and given to, and I am very, very grateful. And I'm asking the Lord to water all of those who watered us. And I want to pray for this church right now. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for reminding us that you give gifts, that you're a good God, and that we can give you praise and honor and give you thanks because it is the will of God. Thank you for a dear, sweet woman in this church that remembered that I like poppy seed bread. You're an awesome God, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. wanted to get up and do this on Thanksgiving Day but or on Thanksgiving share service, but my thought was always, um, well, you'll just give, give a list of the cool things that happened to you and your family in the year, um, and so it just never felt felt right, but this year, um, we, we were coming up on the sale, sale of our house that we've owned in Victoria for the last several years, um, and we've been trying to sell it. Uh, for five years now. Um, and so we finally, you know, I could see the light at the end of the tunnel as this day approached. And so uh, we were supposed to close on it a couple, couple, two or three weeks ago. And so I thought, well, we'll just let this year pass again. And then the closing got postponed, of course, fittingly. Um, till this past Monday. And so when I found out it was going to be postponed until then, I thought, well, there's my cue from God. Um, and so I guess my, my first thought of thanks, thankfulness is that we finally sold the house, something that we've been trying to do for several years. Um, but that's not necessarily what um, uh, I wanted to give thanks for this morning. It is something, but not the main point. Um, uh, <clears throat> a few, probably two months ago, um, I was talking to uh, Jeff Mountcastle, and we were, of course, this topic came up about selling this dang house. Um, and sorry if I referred to when I talk about it, there's some aggression uh, there. Um, but that's just, that's how it's played out. Um, and he said, why is it such a big deal to sell it? Y'all been, you know, getting rent money and all this stuff for it. And I said, Jeff, it's been like we've been in a wilderness for four years trying to trying to deal with this thing. And uh, and he said, OK, that makes sense. And so I started thinking about wilderness and how the Bible refers uh, when, when it's talking about the wilderness. What it what is it talking about? And typically when we see in the Bible um, where it talks about wilderness, it is it's a it's a lonely place to be. It's not necessarily the best place on earth to be. It's um, if we think of, of course, the Israelites who spend years out there wandering 
around. Um, when Jesus went to the wilderness, that's where Satan came and hung out with him and, and tempted him, as Paul has been preaching on the last couple of weeks. And so the wilderness is never a good place to be. Um, but as, as I began to, you know, God gave a couple sermons that I was able to listen to that talked about the wilderness. And it kind of has resonated with me that though the wilderness is not a good place to be, though it is... Um, it's lonely. You do wander when you're in the wilderness, whether it's a month-long journey or years or whatever. Um, God meets us in the wilderness. He always does. Um, and I have a, a couple of references uh, that I want to give. Genesis 21, verses 14 through um, 18. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food for the journey and strapped a container of water to Hagar's shoulders. He sent her away with their son and she walked out into the wilderness of Beersheba, wandering aimlessly. And that is exactly what we do. We wander aimlessly. When the water was gone, she left the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went and sat down by herself about a 100 yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as she uh, burst into tears. Then God heard the boy's cries, and the angel of God called to Hagar from the sky, Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy's cries from the place where you laid him. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Um, we also think of Moses when... He had fled uh, Egypt for fear of his life. Um, and uh, 40 years later, he's, he's an old man. And uh, he's in the wilderness of Mount Sinai when God meets him in the form of a burning bush. We, uh, we see in Matthew 3 where John the Baptist is. Um, that's where he was. He was in the wilderness when he was. Uh, preaching that Jesus was coming and Jesus even himself went into the wilderness to meet God. And then we see just in the Matthew 4 where, where Paul is preaching um, now that uh, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And yes, he, he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness but God met him there and provided for him there. And so I can't help but to think that sometimes we look at being in a wilderness or being in a bad time in life, whether that's this financial situation we had with our home, whether that's uh, a, a tough time in your marriage, whether that's whatever, what a, a tough time at work, um, whether it's... Um, Health issues that just won't stop. God meets us in the wilderness and it's not it's not because he's angry at us. It's not that it's punishment. It's it's almost I look at it and I look at chapter four and verse one and, and it says Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. I believe that we're actually led into these times of being in the wilderness. I think we're actually led there and. I think it's because God intends to bring us there so that we will 
we will have to meet him there. We will fall to our knees because it is in those points when we're in the wilderness where we depend on him so greatly. And so what I'm thankful for this year is that for the past several years we have been in this wilderness. I'm thankful that he drew us into the wilderness. I'm thankful that he met us there. He provided greatly for us and not just in a a physical way, but he um, strengthened us uh, when we needed to. He, you know, when we cried out for his will in our life, um, even though as he pulled us down the road of his will, we kicked and screamed sometimes, but he still pulled us down the road that we asked for. And I'm thankful that God meets us in the wilderness, even though that's a tough time in life. Um, You know, that's how God works. And I think it's there where he he really builds our faith. He grows us uh, in our faith. And um, when when we're there, we are tempted, obviously, like Jesus was tempted by Satan. But we're tempted to uh, get off of, of the road that we're supposed to be on or the track that we're supposed to be on. We're tempted to stop following Jesus and... I wanted I had to bring this up because it was such um, uh, it was so weird. It is, I don't know. It just kind of blew me away when I read it this week. But um, Oxford's uh, dictionaries, I got this from um, uh, Breaking Point, Breakpoint Daily. But Oxford's dictionary uh, this year, the last couple of weeks, released their word of the year, which this year um, their word of the year is um, post-truth. And I'll read you the um, definition of it, and then I'll try and explain it. Uh, Relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. And that is the world that we're living in. And that is what Satan, I think, tries to get to us when we're in these times of being in the wilderness, that he tries to get us to ignore fact, ignore the promises of God and listen to emotion, listen to things that aren't so, listen to his lies. And that's the world that we live in. We live in a post-truth world where we don't we put fact aside and we go, but. I know that that's what God's telling me, and I know that that's true, but this is how I feel. And so, when you are in that wilderness, uh, because we will all go into wildernesses several times in our life, when you're there, um, I encourage you to trust in the promises of God. Don't get swept away in the world that we live in, where post-truth is the word of the year. Don't get swept away by the lies of Satan, but hang on tight to what the Bible tells us, what God's word says, um, and embrace being in the wilderness. Embrace it because that's where God's going to grow you. Uh, and he's going to meet you there. And when you come out of the wilderness, you will be closer to him than you were when you went in. So I'm thankful for the wilderness of the last several years. Good morning. 
good to be with you this morning, and it's uh, great to be uh, thankful. And um, uh, this morning I could uh, uh, share for a long time, maybe you could yield some of your minutes to me that, uh, and Corky could grin like he's doing now. Um, but I would like to share uh, a bit of why I'm here this morning giving testimony to the Lord and saying thank you to God. Um, uh, I could do this in two seconds and I can do this in 20 minutes, but it is uh, because of that lady over there. 40 years ago today, 40 years ago today, we got married. And um, you know, it's it's been an incredible ride. And uh, God... Uh, doesn't just encourage uh, us to be thankful. Many would suggest, and I believe it's true, that he commands us uh, to be thankful. And if you look at Colossians three sixteen and 17, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I'm incredibly thankful today for uh, my childhood sweetheart and the four decades that we've lived together on three different continents uh, in multiple cultures and languages and situations uh, some of which were wilderness situations. Many uh, were wilderness situations, uh, many of which uh, we had to uh, get on our knees before God and pray for not only physical sustenance, but also for safety and security. And it, uh, it's been an incredible uh, ride. And another verse that I would uh, like to share with you uh, this morning and it's a, it's a testimony to God. In Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, we read an incredible description of uh, womanhood, for lack of a better word. And it, it's, it's an incredible description in so many ways. The, 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 this section of Scripture in the original Hebrew is alliterated. Every letter from the Hebrew um, alphabet uh, begins every verse or every uh, point, and it's 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 considered a book of poetry. And um, I would suggest to you that, uh, at least for me and my experience, uh, poetry is what um, I've experienced in my uh, 40 years with Cookie. I know I'm getting a little sappy here, and I'm uh, embarrassing her and me. But um, an excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. And this is, this, is, this is the Word of God, and it's also been lived out in my own life. And I know there's a lot of people here who can give an amen to this. And with thankfulness, stand before God and say, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful gift. What Boy, what would it have been like to not have found an excellent wife? 
Uh, and um, I am so grateful. I'm so thankful. Uh, we have two wonderful children, uh, five grandchildren, and maybe even more importantly, many, many, many children of faith um, who um, honestly, before God and before these witnesses, uh, would not be children of faith if it weren't for this wonderful woman. So I'm very grateful to the Lord. I want to stand before you and just say thank you, Lord, uh, for my wonderful wife. And thank you for four decades. And uh, hopefully it'll be another four um, decades. When you get married, when you're eight and nine years old, you, you, uh, you can... Uh, uh, we, it was an arranged marriage, actually. Um, it really was. You can ask about that, but we can. Uh, but when you get married really young, you can live a life together, and uh, look back, look at the present, look back, and look at the future, as Paul said. And that's what I'd like to do today: is thank the Lord for what we are today, and the wife that He's given me. Looking back over four decades plus, and look to the future for what God is doing and will do in years to come. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I appreciate those testimonies. And um, that's one of the reasons we like to do this uh, once a year, so that you can be edified by what God is doing in your brothers and sisters and lives. It's that simple. We, a lot of times we might share with community group or just in passing what's going on, but we can all as a congregation hear people's hearts and see what God is doing uh, and be edified by that. So thank you for volunteering. Um, we had kind of different types of testimonies there, but thank you for volunteering and uh, obeying the Lord and giving public praise to that. And look forward to next year's Thanksgiving share service as well. Corey, thanks.